good evening. It's good to see each of you here tonight. Uh, some of you may be wondering, uh, why didn't you announce that we were having a missionary tonight? The reason for that is because I didn't know we were having a missionary tonight until earlier this afternoon or this morning, and uh, they are passing through. He actually reached out to me last week to see if they could stay uh, in the missions apartment. They had a week off, and so this saves them several hundred dollars in hotel fees, and so we're glad that the Catalan, did I say that right? The Catalan family uh, are here with us tonight, and I just told him, I said, you're more than welcome to set up a table, uh, get to know some people, and hand out some prayer cards. So that is uh, why the display table is up, but I just shared with him, I felt like, you know, it was my place to preach, so he understood, and we agreed, and had a good supper with them, very sweet family. They've got a three-year-old daughter and a one-year-old daughter in the nursery, uh, cute little girls, and uh, just a sweet uh, family from what I can tell, so if you're not, you've, you've done a good job hiding it. So anyways, 2 Corinthians tonight is where we're going to be, 2 Corinthians tonight. I will say this, we were talking to them at supper tonight, and I was asking her about her parents, and so I said, so are your parents retired? She said, no, they're about y'all's age. And I thought, yeah. That's whenever I wanted to spit in her food, but I thought, no, nah, better not. So anyways, I said, how old are they? They said, they're like 46. Is that what you said, 46 or 40? Anyways, yeah, that's real close. So here I was thinking I was still young, and we're not, but... Anyways, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. And Lord, I am thankful that we have this freedom and this uh, liberty. God, I thank you for each person who is here tonight. I pray that the time would not be wasted for any of us, but, Lord, that we would make application to our lives wherever it would be uh, needful, wherever it would be beneficial. And I pray that you would help us uh, to grow tonight because of our time together. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some of you will remember that last week we took a week off from our study of 2 Corinthians just because uh, I knew that we had a lot of people who would be gone last week. So uh, we didn't continue the study last week. We're going to resume it, obviously, tonight. I just want to remind us very quickly some of the context as to what's been going on, what's been taking place, so that we're all up to speed on this. I want to remind us that in the opening verses or the opening chapters, really, of this letter, it's become obvious that the ministry and the integrity of Paul's ministry has come under attack by certain people there in the city of Corinth. They said that the Apostle Paul was strictly doing what was convenient for him by way of uh, their, his planned visits uh, back to the church there in Corinth. They were accusing him of not being very honest and transparent in his delivery of the Word of God. And so his, again, the integrity of his ministry was under attack. And so Paul spent some time defending his integrity and reminding them of the way that he had conducted himself when he was with them. And then a few weeks ago, we looked in the opening verses, and Paul further explained why he had not yet been back to Corinth. He explained that it was because if he came back and they were still sorrowful from the rebuke that they had received of him, then they would not be able to be an encouragement to him. And so we watched as the Apostle Paul was just very honest and, and transparent in letting them know 
that how they lived and who they were had impact on his life and the ministry that he was able to enjoy. And so a few weeks ago, I tried to remind us that you and I feed off of the energy and the actions of other people. Whenever we are living in obedience, it's an encouragement to others. Whenever we live in disobedience, it is a discouragement to others. And so we need to give attention to how we are living because it has an impact on other people's lives. None of us are above that. And sometimes it is easy for us to get lazy in our spiritual lives and think, well, what I'm doing doesn't matter. Nobody else really cares. And that could not be further from the truth. How you and I live has impact on other people, their outlook and their, their emotions many times and whether or not they're encouraged or discouraged. So that's what we talked about, uh, like I said, a few weeks ago, last week, or, or two weeks ago, rather, uh, the need to forgive. That was just kind of sandwiched in there amongst some other things. Tonight we're going to begin looking in verse number 12, and we're going to finish the chapter tonight. But before we do, I want us to think about something, okay? I, I want you to think about something very simple, and it may seem a bit odd at first, but just stay with me. Like I've said many times before, I'm trying to get us somewhere, Okay. So tonight, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to imagine that I showed up at your house tonight unannounced. I just showed up on the front steps of your house, and I said, hey, I'm coming in for a few moments. So I made my way in, and I made my way into your kitchen. All right, so if I made my way into your kitchen completely unannounced tonight, here is what I think would be true of you based on what is true of me. Okay? Here's what I think would be true of you based on what is true of me and, and our family as it relates to the kitchen. Here's what I think would be so is that if I started going through the, through the cabinets, I would find where all the spices and the seasons and, and the seasonings and, and different things were kept because probably all that is kept in one or two cabinets together, correct? Right. I mean, you, you, some of you thought, where is he going with this? Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, probably if I went into your kitchen unannounced and just started flipping through the cabinets, I would find, okay, this is where they keep all the seasonings, this is where they keep all the spices, the salt, the pepper, whatever it may be. And then if I started making my way through the cabinets or the drawers, what, what I would probably find is this, is, okay, this is where they keep all the silverware. They put all the silverware in here, and, and if your house is like our house, then you probably don't just have the silverware in one drawer, but you have the silverware inside the drawer divided, all the knives here, the forks here, the spoons here. Everything is divided there. And, and then probably if I kept looking, I would find your pots and pan area, right? All your pots and all of your pans are stashed right there. And, and so that is where the pots and pans stay. You get them out to cook. Whenever they're clean, you put them back in there. So let's suppose for a moment I left the, the kitchen and I went to the garage. Here's what I would bet is true of your garage if it's anything like mine. You've probably got your tools in a certain section of the garage, right? You don't have your Phillips screwdriver over here and your flathead screwdriver over here unless you forgot to put it away. Your screwdrivers, your tools would kind of be in the same area, would it not? You know, if you've got lawn equipment in your garage, it's probably pretty close together. The lawnmower, the weed eater, the blower, whatever you may use, it's probably pretty close together. The average garage, that would be true anyway, I think. And, and probably, again, if you're like me, if you've got a few bikes in the garage, they're probably all together and the accessories that go with it. You say, okay, why are you telling us this? I want us to think about something. 
you and I have a tendency to try to have a system for where everything goes. We want this to be here. We want this to be here. We want this to be here. And so really without even thinking about it, without even really thinking about it, here's what we do. We compartmentalize our house. This is for pots and pans. This is for spices and seasonings. This is for the silverware over here. This is where we keep the garage stuff, the bikes here, the accessories there, the lawn equipment here, the tools here, and, and it just goes on and on and on. We have a system. We have things in place, and we compartmentalize almost every aspect of our lives, and many times that is out of necessity, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine if you did not compartmentalize your laundry? That'd be bad, right? So I don't know. Well, I mean, dirty laundry versus clean laundry, that would be bad after a while if we didn't do it, would it not? Amen. Dirty dishes versus clean dishes? I, I, listen, I'm glad we compartmentalize that at my house because I don't want to be eating off of dirty dishes. So, so a lot of times we compartmentalize different aspects of our lives. It's out of necessity oftentimes, and even if it's not out of necessity, it is, it's just helpful and it's just beneficial to us. But I say all that to say this, it really should not surprise us then that whenever you and I are dealing with individuals, that even in that person's own life, they have a tendency to compartmentalize their life. You following this? Things are compartmentalized in the kitchen. They're compartmentalized in the garage. They're probably compartmentalized at work. They're probably compartmentalized in other areas of life that we wouldn't take the time to deal with tonight. And so it makes sense that, that a person, even without thinking about it, could compartmentalize their lives because it's easier. It kind of puts a system in place. It kind of gives them a sense of structure and a sense of order. And while it's not completely terrible, it can produce some negative consequences. Does this make sense? If a person compartmentalizes their life too much, then it really can cause some problems. Why would I say that? Well, tonight, let me just try to remind us again a, a little bit of the context that the Apostle Paul's ministry is under attack. There are people who have attacked his integrity and, and, and his honesty. And so tonight I, I want to begin, oddly enough, by looking in verse number 17, just so that we see this, that the Apostle Paul says, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. So what is he saying? Well, he is saying this, that we're not like many of the preachers out there. We're not like many of those who present themselves as preachers of the Word of God or, or ambassadors for the, the things of God. He said, no, we do not corrupt the Word of God. Well, what does it mean to corrupt the Word of God? It just means this, to kind of peddle it like it's, it's some kind of an occupation where you can make money and live well off of the, the generosity of others. Paul is basically saying this, listen, we're not in this for the money and we're not in this for the perks. He said that what we are doing, it is out of sincerity. It's in the sight of God that, that we do this 
and that what that which we speak in Christ, everybody, every bit of this is done with sincerity and a pureness of heart. So what is Paul doing? He is continuing, and rightfully so, he is continuing his defense of the integrity of his ministry. There was nothing wrong with him taking a small portion of time to defend his integrity to those that was having it questioned by outsiders. But that in mind, I don't want to spend time on Paul's defense of his ministry. I want us to look in verse number 12, what he says. He says, in further explanation as to why he's not yet been to Corinth, he says, furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. So what is Paul letting them know? Well, he's letting them know that since the last time he saw them, he has spent some time there in the city of Troas, and he says specifically that it was for the purpose of preaching the gospel of Christ. We see that, right? I want us to see this. He says it very clearly that he came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, so he is there for the purpose of preaching the gospel of Christ, and he says, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord or by the Lord. So what does that mean? It just means this, that God gave him an opportunity to preach the gospel of Christ. And it would seem to suggest that there were some kind of results, that some positive things were happening. But nonetheless, even in spite of that, he says in verse number 13, I had no rest in my spirit. I had no rest in my spirit. We all know what that means, don't we? It means to be restless inside. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those things we know we ought to be at peace. We know that we ought to have some kind of calm about us. And yet we continue to be restless. We've been there. And Paul said that the same was true of him, that he had no rest in his spirit. When did he not have rest in his spirit? When he was in Troas, preaching the gospel with this open door that God had given him. Well, why did he have this restless spirit? He says in verse 13, Because I found not Titus, my brother. I guess Titus, from what we can tell, was supposed to have reunited himself with Paul somewhere along the way, and, and Titus had not yet shown up, and apparently Paul began to get nervous as to the whereabouts of Titus, and, and so Paul said, I was restless in my spirit, I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother. So he goes on to say, but taking my leave of them... I went from thence into Macedonia. So what is Paul explaining? He's explaining this very simply. All right, one of the reasons I haven't been back to Corinth is because I've spent some time in Troas, but because I was restless and I was concerned about Titus, I made my way to Macedonia in hopes of finding him there. So notice in verse 14 he said, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes causeth us to triumph in Christ. Thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. What does it mean to triumph in Christ? It means this, to be victorious. 
To triumph means that you are the winner, that you are the one who is victorious. You are the defeator, not the defeated. And so Paul said, thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to be victorious in Christ. We're never the ones who are defeated. We are the ones who are always triumphant, eventually in the work of Christ. He said, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. What does it mean to make something manifest? Well, it means to make something known. Okay, to make something manifest is to make something known. Now, please follow along with this. I promise you there is a point to to working through all of this. He said... We are always triumphant. We are always victorious in what? In making known the savor or the fragrance of his knowledge through us or by us, he says, which means through us in every place. So what is the Apostle Paul saying? He is saying this. That in every place he goes, they are victorious or they are triumphant in the making known or the making manifest of the fragrance of Christ, which is the gospel message that Paul preached. Does this make sense? Wherever we go, Paul says, we are the triumphant ones. We are the victorious ones. We are the overcomers. Wherever we go, in every place, God has made it such that we are able to make manifest or to make known the fragrance of his knowledge or the understanding of who Christ is in every place. He says in verse number 15, For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. We are a sweet fragrance. Now, why is Paul using this terminology? I don't know for sure. But he says, For we are unto God a sweet savor or a sweet fragrance of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. He says, Either way, we are a fragrance. To the one, he says in verse 16, We are the savor or the fragrance of death unto death, and to the other, the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? Who is capable for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word. Now, now what does verse number 16 mean, though, that to those who are the savor, they are the savor of death unto death for some and life unto life for others? Well, that would all be dependent upon the response of those who heard the gospel of Christ, right? You know, if a person heard the gospel of Christ, preached and declared, and they rejected the gospel, they still came into contact with the fragrance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So though it resulted in their death, not just physically, but spiritually, listen, They had come into contact with the fragrance of the gospel of Christ. The ones who accepted it, the ones who received it, the ones who were saved unto life. The gospel of Christ was a fragrance of life unto those who had accepted life. 
through Christ. So what is Paul saying if we can try to tie all this together? He is saying this in the midst of defending his ministry. Listen, there's a reason why I haven't been there. I spent some time at Troas and I was preaching the gospel where God opened the door. But because I was restless in my spirit over my concern with Titus and where he was at and his well-being, I made my way into Macedonia and there I continued to preach and and make manifest the savor or the fragrance of, of the knowledge of Christ, the gospel that I'd been preaching. And for some it was received, for some it was rejected. But in the end, listen, my integrity is intact and there's a reason why I haven't been where you think I'm supposed to have been or where others think I'm supposed to have been, I am in this out of sincerity. I'm not just peddling a message like some people are. Does this all make sense? All right. Somebody says, I hear you, and that makes sense, but, but what's that got to do with your illustration and how you open the message? Well, go back to verse number 14 for just a moment. He said, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph or to be victorious in Christ, and maketh known the savor or the fragrance. I don't want to re-preach this, but just make sure that we understand this. That maketh manifest or made known the fragrance of his knowledge or of his understanding through us in every place. What does every place mean? It means every place he went. Wherever he went, guess what Paul did? Paul preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody says, I'm still not following this. This is the testimony of the Apostle Paul that wherever he went, guess what he was? He was a witness and a testimony and a declarer of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, now why is that important? It's important for this reason that it, it becomes obvious that the Apostle Paul, as he handled himself personally by way of the ministry that God had given him and, and by way of, of, of the way that he handled himself, the Apostle Paul did not compartmentalize his ministry that he had been entrusted with. You say, okay, what's that got to do with anything? Listen, whenever he was in Troas, he knew he was as obligated to preach the gospel to them as he was to preach it to the people of Corinth. Whenever he found himself in Macedonia, he was as obligated to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people of Macedonia as he had been to the people of Troas. It didn't matter that he was now on a mission to try to find Titus. It didn't matter that it was a restlessness of his spirit that had caused him to leave Troas to go to Macedonia. It didn't matter that his mind was preoccupied with something else and some other concern. In the end, here's what the Apostle Paul knew, that no matter what else is going on in my life, no matter what else may be taking place, I still have the responsibility to be a preacher of the Word of God, so it's not as though I get to take a break from what God has called me to just because I'm preoccupied doing something else right now. 
See, it would have been so easy for Paul to say something like this. Man, I don't have time to preach right now. I don't have the time to to try to develop relationships and try to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm trying to find Titus. I'm trying to find this friend of mine, this brother of mine, this one that I care about. But, But he realized it doesn't matter where I go. I am supposed to make known the fragrance of his knowledge, of his understanding, so that people might know who this Christ is. Kind of like Paul understood this. First and foremost, I am a full-time Christian. First and foremost, I am a full-time representative of the Christ who saved me. So it doesn't matter if I'm here, it doesn't matter if I'm here, or if I'm someplace else, or preoccupied with this, or doing something else. Above everything else, I am a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now this evening, I'm going to be honest with you and tell you that probably to an extent, my thoughts are somewhat impacted by a conversation I had with someone recently. But I had a conversation with someone not too long ago, and something they shared with me was this. I would love to be in a position like yours. Now, I wouldn't have ever suspected that. I wouldn't have ever thought that. Uh, This person works a secular job, and, and nothing wrong with that, obviously. That's what all of you all do, and that's perfectly fine. But what they said to me, again, somewhat surprisingly, was this, is I would love to have, or I would love to be in a position like what you're in. I said, well, how come? And they said this, because you have the opportunity to influence lives, and all I ever do is this, And he said what he does for a living. You see what happened? Here's what he did somewhat unintentionally. He compartmentalized his life. See, if I was in your position, I would have a chance to have influence in a person's life. But because I'm not in your position and I'm just in this position, I don't have the opportunity to do what you do. Now, you know what he did? Again, unintentionally and accidentally. Let's listen. You know what he did? He compartmentalized his life into this kind of a segment that if I was in your position, I could do that. But since I'm not, I can't. And you know what I wanted to say to him? You have every bit as much potential to influence the lives of people around you as I do, but you have to see the potential to do so and not just assume that that is for someone else. I want us to think about just a few thoughts this evening because... Trust me, this hits closer to home 
than I think we realize because, again, we get so used to compartmentalizing everything from the items in our kitchen to the things in the garage to the shop at the work to the job site to to whatever it may be that if we're not careful, we just compartmentalize our spiritual lives and we just assume that, well, I can't do such and such and I can't do certain things because that's not really my place when in reality, first and foremost, above all things, we are Christians and then everything after that. See, there are people who say things like this. I can't do that where I work. You can't do what where you work? Well, I can't say certain things at work. Now, listen, I understand the culture that we live in. I understand that, that you're not paid to be a preacher, right? You're not paid to be a preacher. So I understand that it is not your responsibility to show up to work each day, Bible in hand, message prepared, and ready to give a sermon. That is not what God has called you to do. And if that is what you strive to do, it will probably bring some negative attention upon you and the future of your career, right? You are not the morality police at work. You are not the one who's supposed to go around and say, Thou shalt not, and thou shalt not, and thou shalt not, and thou shalt, and thou shalt. That, that's not what you were hired on to do. You have a job to do, and that's what you're expected to do, and that's what you're required to do. But listen, here's what some people do. They say, well, you know, because of the workplace environment, because of the rules that are in place, you know, I can't really say certain things. I understand that you may not be able to say certain things in a certain manner, but we have got to be reminded that we have the freedom to be a Christian no matter where we're at, especially at a workplace. You are allowed to let people know with boldness and, and with a sense of confidence that you are a saved child of God and you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And there is nothing wrong with you being vocal in your testimony of being a child of God. So, well, I don't know. I'm just, it might get me in trouble. Hey, listen, they come back to work on Mondays talking about their wild weekends. All you've got to do is start talking to them about the church services you were a part of Monday. Yeah, I didn't go out and get drunk. No, I actually remember what I did last night. I was in church and the sermon was about this and man, it was good. You know what? That'll, that'll probably get rid of some of the people who talk to you at work. Well, you know, I just, I may get in trouble for that. No, 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 no. No, you're able to be a Christian if you want to be, and you are called to be a Christian above all things. Listen, in, in every place, you are able to make known the understanding and the knowledge of who God is. You can tell people at work, whenever you hear them going through a hard time, you can tell them with boldness, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. Well, that would sure feel awkward. Well, it's okay. Because first and foremost, you're supposed to be a Christian on the job site. Listen, under certain laws, they can't fire you for telling people that you'll pray for them. They can get mad at you and they can get sick of you, but they can't fire you. It's okay to tell your coworkers, hey, just a minute before we eat, I'm going to pray real quick. Seriously? Uh, yeah. 
How can I do that at work? Because you're allowed to be a Christian at work. In fact, you're called to be a Christian at work. It's that simple. Again, I know that you're not called to, to go to work tomorrow and say, I need everybody's attention. Last night our pastor brought this to our attention, so let me preach to you for a few moments. That, that's not what you're called to do, but you're called to be a Christian, making known in every place that you go the, the knowledge of who Christ is. It's as much your responsibility as it is mine. But see, here's what will happen. If we compartmentalize everything like we do everything else, we'll somehow get to this conclusion in our minds that, well, that's off limits. No, it's not. See, if we're not careful, we compartmentalize and we say things like this. Well, the family function wasn't really the place to say that. Hold on, the family function wasn't really the place to be a Christian? So if the family function wasn't really the place to be a Christian, then where exactly is the right place to be a Christian? Again, I'm not saying we go into this with an attitude. I'm not saying that we go into it with a harsh spirit and an abrasive spirit and, and we say things with no tact and no consideration for what might be going on. But above all things that we're supposed to be, we are supposed to be children of God who are more than happy and more than willing to make known and to make manifest the fragrance of the knowledge of His Word in every place. So I'm just saying we can't compartmentalize and say, well, that was family, and, and I really don't want to do that around family. And if you think that doesn't happen, we're just not paying attention because... Listen, I know good and well the temptation that exists because you don't want to say anything that would upset anyone. I'm supposed to be a Christian first and foremost. I'm supposed to be, and you are supposed to be, a Christian in the public forum. That's not a separate compartment that we don't get to exercise our Christianity in. If we want to stop and pray, we're allowed to stop and pray. If we want to speak of Jesus, we're allowed to speak of Jesus. If we want to talk to our waiter or our waitress about the things of God, we're able to do so. We're, we're able to invite that person that just took our money in the transaction. We're able to speak to them real quick. Not, not a long-term thing, but real quick about the things of God. We're able to do that. Well, I don't know. I just I don't know if that's really the place for it. Then, then where would the place be for it? See how this happens? Well, no, not at work and... Well, see, that, that's one little segment and compartment. And Well, no, not at family. So, no, that's one little compartment where I can't really be the bold Christian I'm supposed to be and, and make known the, the savor and the fragrance of, of his knowledge and understanding. And Well, no, not really in the public forum, okay? So, so where can this be done at? Can it be done in the, in the school system? Well, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't want my kids to stand out. Let's just be honest. If we're not careful, we teach our kids, no, 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 not there. And I'm not saying just public school. For those of you who know that my kids went to Christian school and now they're homeschool, we've had to talk to our own kids about still being a Christian in the Christian school environment because just because it's a Christian school doesn't mean everything's Christian. 
So that's when we're teaching the kids, hey, listen, that's when you stand up and you say something. That's when you stand up and you do something different. You don't just follow the crowd. You, you don't just do what everyone else is doing. You don't start talking that way. You don't start acting that way. Listen, above everything else, kids, you are a Christian first. But if we're not careful, we're telling our kids, hey, take it easy, you know, just uh, listen. Don't cause problems. Don't, don't, don't be a problem maker. You just do what you know is right. No, teach our kids. We ought to be teaching our kids to be a Christian and not compartmentalize that part out of their Christian life. Amen. Because, see, here's what happens. If we take the workforce out of it, if we take the family out of it, if we take the public forum out of it, if we take the school attendance and the school interaction out of it, then what in the world does that really leave most of us? Church. So you know what we get to be at church? Christians. Oh, good, I'm finally at church. I can finally talk about the things of God. Well, I'm at church. I can finally talk about how God blessed. I'm, I'm at church. I can finally tell somebody that I'll be praying for him. Okay, I'm at church. I can finally let somebody know that, that I love the Lord. L listen, it's good for us to be reminded of one another's love for the things of God, and it's good for us to be reminded of, uh, of, of God's blessings and, and everything that goes with the Christian life. But, but let's just be honest. Most of us have already got that established. Hello? Or, or maybe we don't, and that's why you're silent on that. I mean, most of us have already got that established, don't we? I've already got a pretty good understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've already got a pretty good understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so my point is, is this, is if the only time that we feel like, well, it's appropriate to talk about those things at church, uh, unless we start getting resaved and rebaptized, we're not really going to have that much of an impact on this community that we're a part of. I'm just saying, here's the Apostle Paul, and he is, he's explaining to them. I understand the context. He is explaining to them, listen, there's a reason why I haven't been there yet. Yeah, I know I told you that I was going to be visiting you soon, and I know it hasn't happened, but some of it is dependent upon this, and some of it's been dependent upon this, and some of it's been dependent upon this. But in spite of all of that, I never lost sight of my responsibility, and that is to make known in every place the savor or the fragrance of his knowledge, of his understanding of who he is. And it's in light of that he said, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. There's results when you live the Christian life at all times, in every place. And if we don't live the Christian life at all times, in every place, you know what there's not much of? Triumph or victories. I'm glad that every one of us are here tonight. I, listen, I'm truly thankful that every one of us are here tonight. But in and of itself, this doesn't do a whole lot to impact the lost community that we are a part of every day. 
So what am I supposed to be doing and what are you supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be everything out there that we are in here. With boldness, with confidence, with no shame. Yes, wise as serpents and harmless as doves, I get it. But there is to be within us a willingness and a sense of purpose on our part to be out there what we are in here. I think, I just, I think if we were honest, many of us would have to say we've been guilty of that compartmentalization of our spiritual lives and we didn't even realize we were doing it. Well, I didn't want to upset the coworker. I didn't want to upset this person. I didn't want to do that. It just didn't feel comfortable. Friends, if we don't do it everywhere, we're not going to see victories. We're just not. So above everything else, what am I supposed to be? A Christian who just lives it out no matter where I'm going, no matter what I'm doing, no matter what my mind may be preoccupied with, I am supposed to be above everything else a Christian. If nothing else, even if they don't receive it, the fragrance of death unto death is on them and not on us. Because at least they came into contact with the truth of the gospel. What they did with it was up to them. I'm just asking us tonight to take a look at our spiritual lives and be honest. Can it be said that we've kind of softened it here, maybe toned it down here, maybe completely eliminated it here, this Christian life we're supposed to be living? Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be men and women who, like the Apostle Paul, we just live it no matter where we're at, no matter who we're amongst, that we would do so with some humility, but at the same time that we would live it with some great confidence, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Lord, I know for myself and I believe for others We've been guilty of it, not even realizing we've done it. But we've silenced you in certain areas of our lives, and it just ought not be that way. So I pray that you'd help us today to be reminded to live it no matter what. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.